Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I am here with our returning guest, Michael Shevek, who is the author of, as you may remember, the Soul Lesson from the Wizard of Oz, How to Follow Your Yellow Brick Road, which we talked about the last time he was on the show. And we went into depth and we didn't get a chance to talk about his other book, The Six Fix, Spiritual Healthcare for a Stronger America. Both are available in paperback and Kindle. I'll have the links in the show notes for you guys. This is a really amazing journey and he's got some really good points, some really good things to focus on. And we're going to get into that with him. Without further ado, let's just bring him right on. Here he is. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to be, uh, bring back our returning champion, Michael Shavak, and he is here to talk about his other book that we didn't get to last month, and it is called The Six Fix Spiritual Healthcare for a Stronger America, and boy, do we need it right now. Let's welcome him to the show, folks. Michael, how are you? I am fine, Scott. I hope you're well. Thank you for having me. I am doing very well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you back and to talk about the other book that we just didn't even get to last time. Thank you. Thank you for the double invite. I'm really flattered. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I have a feeling that you might be back yet again because you and I really have that ability to just kind of let the conversation go wherever it goes. And a lot of times magical things happen when you do that. Yeah, I sense the kind of kindred spirit thing, if you don't mind me saying so. I'm honored. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's let's do this. Let's kind of set the tone. And if you would, uh, how would you sum up this book, The Six Fix, Spiritual Health Care for a Stronger America? Oh, I'll just lay it right out. Do it. This is The Six Fix. In everything you think, say, and do, seek good. Hmm. That's it. And then the sixes come in. In everything you think, say, and do, seek good. And seek good for yourself, another, all others, future generations, all life and creation. And since we're none of us are perfect, keep improving. That's the six fix. I love it. And I now think everything else is a commentary. Okay. Well, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but it seems to me that when we think about doing something for ourselves. A lot of times we feel guilty. Like if we're going to do something, it's selfish to do something for ourselves. We should do something for someone else. And it seems like that kind of programming is really deep in us. It's a, it, it's a moral sickness. Religions which have lost their spiritual light and have emphasized moral judgment and uh, martyrdom sacrifice for causes have created a spiritual sickness and in fact scott the american system which was designed to have individual initiative and individual creativity and the respect for each individual including rights was a correction for the sickness of the old world we're losing track of that wow well i mean it seems to me how can you help somebody else if you don't have some kind of strong foundation for yourself even if that was your goal was to help other people you could say helping yourself allows you to help other people yes you have got to create a strong foundation to yourself and take care of yourself first and then you will have the spiritual energy the financial fortitude and the and the perseverance 
to extend what you have and share it with other people. There's only one situation, Scott, where you put yourself second. And that's in situations which are truly life and death. For instance, if you don't feed a baby, it's going to die. Sure. If you sure. don't touch a baby, it's going to die. If if a bus is going to hit a, a child, you throw yourself on the bus first. But other than those very rare circumstances in life, which are truly life and death crises, where you put yourself second morally, everything else, you have to build strength upon yourself first. It's the American system. And we're becoming spiritually sick because we're losing that essential spiritual boundary. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is is phrases like, I'll give you the shirt off my back, or I'll give you my last dollar, or things that, that seem to be phrases that we say kind of nonchalantly, but those really do dig into our subconscious and become our thought patterns. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with giving someone the shirt off of your back, but if you're going to give someone the shirt off your back and you're going to moan and groan or you're going to be cold, impoverish yourself and get sick, that is not true kindness, nor is it true charity. It's, it's usually a self-indulgence, a spiritual self-indulgence, and you pat yourself on the back for being so wonderful and so generous when, in fact, you're doing an injustice. Well, how do we find that that line of, okay, I've taken care of myself, I, I'm in a good spot, I feel like I can do something for other people. How do we know that we're really there versus the programming that we've got? Well, when you're the, the, the book is founded upon the 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 truth, which is we don't do things in a vacuum. There is a spiritual reality here. There is a way that life is designed to create good, okay? It's designed a certain way. You know, the, the dice are weighted in a certain direction. Now, once you begin the process of spiritual alignment, which we do not have in the United States right now, every step along the way, you are guided. Now, if you're a religious person, you'll call that God, you'll call that providence, you'll call that grace, you can call that many things. If you're you know, a kind of spiritualist, you'll call that synchronicity and and the going with my gut and trusting the flow, you can say many, many things. But there is guidance every step along the way. You don't have to make the decision. Once you learn to align yourself so you're no longer spiritually sick, but you're functioning with the design of this world, the world informs you. You just know it. People come out of the woodwork, and they need what you have. And you are given the opportunity to share. You don't have to figure this out. You know, you only have to figure it out when you're morally locked in your own head and disconnected from the spiritual foundation of life. There's a natural law here. Learn it. Do you mean like uh, our own egos getting in our way of allowing those things to come to us? Well, our own egos deciding, well, I'm going, it's now my time to give to somebody. Well, that can be an inspiration and that's a very good thing. But I will tell you that there's a life order here, a real living, breathing um, organism that naturally will bring us opportunities to give when it's our time to share. I will tell you a very interesting story. Okay. This happens to me all the time because I do teach. I do teach all the time people. And 
every single time I master a certain spiritual lesson, sometimes with extremely hard, hard work, okay? But every time I've mastered it, I always know a student is going to knock on my door and is going to need the very knowledge that I've learned. And that's how life works, because I'm given the opportunity to share the knowledge. And by doing so, I repair the damage that I made from being so clumsy and learning things <laughs> with a lot of blunders that hurt people. Sure. And at the same and at the same time, I raise up a student and I raise up a lineage of of other people who are following the spiritual knowledge. This is how life works. It's natural law. America was founded on a natural law principle by the enlightened fathers, but it's not simply rational. It's not in your head. It's a living, breathing tissue of enlightened life. And it's right here. It's right here, but you have to open your eyes and dare the process of spiritual alignment. And that's what's missing in our country. Because otherwise, Scott, you have nothing but opinionocracy. Opinionocracy. Well, and there's plenty of room for that these days. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Well, who are you going to trust? Right. Right. Well, it seems to me in my life, though, I can agree with this because I've had so many times where I will get a piece of information come to me and I'll think, I don't know why I, I don't need to know that. You know, I don't know why that's coming to me. I'll just put it aside or whatever. And then within a couple of days, I'll interact with somebody and I'll immediately think back to that piece of information and have to to go and think, where did I see that? Because that would really help what this person is going through right now. So I do see a lot of that. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's biblical. You know, um, you know, I tend to be more Bible based, but I, I don't I, my view of the Bible doesn't seem to be what other people's view was, but I'm Bible based. And that's the book of Isaiah, where he says, before, before you call, I will answer. In other words, it's the nature of God or life to reach out to you. It knows what you need before it takes place. But you have to begin the process of spiritual alignment, which is what the six fix is all about. Right. How do you do it? But also I find, too, that I'll have opportunities. And, and not everything that comes your way is vital to these lessons, correct? I mean, you'll get all kinds of things hitting at, at you these days. Sure. I mean, and also human beings are creative beings. We can create things that don't even exist in nature. We create our own rules. Mm -hmm. You know, we create an automobile. That doesn't exist. And once you do that, there are different rules and different ways of, of, of operating. Well, it's interesting that you say that because every, you know, every week before the pandemic, I would walk down the Vegas Strip. It's not very far from me. It's a great place to get out of the chair and get some exercise. And I would walk down the street every week and just look at these massive casinos and hotels and think, this was once just flat ground and we created all of this out of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. When, when you don't take things for granted that you see around you, it's amazing the beauty you can see in the world. It's astonishing. And you realize the enormous power of human beings, Absolutely. enormous power to alter the nature of reality according to our ideas and our concepts. And this is the story of the Garden of Eden. If you don't use your concepts correctly, 
in harmony with the way reality is designed, you run into trouble. It's an old fashioned concept. It's called sin and punishment, Mm -hmm. meaning you're not in alignment to the way the world's designed and you get a kick in the butt. Sure. So you're you're in part combating all this old programming and also at the same time learning to be open to receiving these things that come our way instead of doing what I used to do, which was just say, no, that's not for me. No, that's not for me. No, I don't need to know that. And just discard everything left and right. Right. You, can, you can't you can't live with blinders on, you know, the six fixes designed not just as personal book, these these uh, relationship priorities and the value priorities that I outline, which are built into the design of life, that's they are necessary for running our country. You know, whenever anything goes wrong, it's because one of the boundaries that are built into the design of life have been violated. You know, I, I, I don't know if you were in 2008, if you remember the horrible financial crisis that took place. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, the reason that crashed was because someone came up with an idiotic idea called taking defaulted mortgages and repackaging them as an investment tool. Uh huh. I remember that. Now, what the way life works is it works to support life. And there was very little life value in that investment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had a little life value, so it helped a few people put their kids through school. But there was so little life value in it that as soon as it was finished, it imploded. And the entire economy went with it because we had become so dependent on an idiotic idea right? that had no life value. And that's one of the laws of life. You know, if it's not helping life, it will implode on its own. The Soviet Union lasted less than a lifetime of a human being because its spiritual power was was so small that it, it was going to implode on itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, you know, uh, and this goes and this happens with presidents. It happens with everything. You know, when we have presidents who, for instance, forgot to take care of people's health and well-being in Katrina, or we had presidents who forgot to take care of health and well-being during COVID, they didn't last because they weren't addressing life. Life is the purpose of living, and all the spiritual laws are here to intensify and help nurture life. It's a very simple thing. Well, you would think so, but a lot of people seem to not quite get that concept. Yes, because we live in fear and we, you know, we forget things like we think, for instance, that money is really the source of what maintains our life, for example. Well, it's not. Okay. It's, it's a marvelous tool of exchange. Everyone should have a lot of it because it's liquid freedom and it allows you to exchange with people you don't even know. You don't even have to like them. Mm-hmm. You can exchange and share. It's a wonderful tool for sharing, but it's not its own power. You know, we know this now from COVID. The single most important thing in our economic system is healthy workers. Right. It's 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 healthy workers. It's not bonds. It's not Wall Street. It's not whether we have government regulation or no government regulation. Okay. It's not blue. It's not red. It's Healthy workers make an economy. The word economy, Scott, comes from the Greek. It means a household. 
Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, because thinking in terms of what's going on here in, in Las Vegas, because now all of a sudden uh, things are opening up again. I've seen tons and tons of ads for jobs at restaurants and bars and things. Just they're panic hiring because they need to extend those hours, but they have no people. That's right. It's life is calling us back into it. And we have to get the lesson of COVID. You know, it's very curious you know, the, 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 the word COVID in Latin is like covide, covite. It means, it means to, to live together. That's interesting. That's how strange. Well, look, as Jesus said, the hair, the hairs on your head are numbered. <laughs> meaning even, even the name COVID has a spiritual meaning that's teaching to us what it is that we needed to learn. And we live together. And true spirituality includes the human dimension, the natural dimension, and the cosmic. So we've got to learn to align ourselves. We don't sow and reap our freedom in America in a vacuum. And it's not a religious platform. Okay? It's not a political platform. It's not an economic platform. It is how life works for good. How do we live? How do we act? How do we sow and reap to produce good? Because God is just a shortening of the word good. Well, I would think if you had to to choose a platform for it, would you say just an energetic platform would be more accurate? People tend to use the term energetic because they're afraid of religion. They're afraid of control and authority. Mm. Okay. The, the, you know, if you, if you use the word spiritual instead of energetic, people use the word energetic so we don't get lost in, in the religious interpretations of spirit that get us sidetracked. You will find that as you're aligned to how life works for good with the correct relationship priorities and value priorities, you will find there are winds in, wind in your sails. Mm-hmm. You will find that doors open. You get the green lights in the parking places. It happens, but that's not its purpose. It's the result. Well, I think there, the result. there is a subconscious thing for a lot of people, especially people who maybe grew up in um, negative religious environments, that if you sure. if you put the word God or spirituality to it, they're, they're going to get turned off right off the bat and not be open necessarily to things that could be good for them. But if you use a word like energy— they don't associate it with religion and they'll be more open to uh, to hear it. I think that's probably why it's become such a buzzword. Sure. And and it's a very, very good phrase. You know, I I, I was, you know, just telling you uh, shortly before the show that we needed some female energy in my house. And I'm really glad my new grandchild, you know, yes. it was a girl. And congratulations. But I'm happy for you guys. The, the, the new language allows you to approach the mystery without the old concepts getting in the way mm-hmm. without the old kinds, you know, can we talk about, for instance, providence, all right. Or, uh, or, or coincidences taking place. Well, we have a new concept called a quantum field where everything is linked to everything else. Well, in the ancient world, they would have called that God spirit, right? So now we use a different scientific approach, no differently than they did at the time of Galileo to approach, you know, scientific thinking through different religious ideas. 
But the important thing is not the languaging. The important thing is to understand that there is a reality here that's organized and it has certain spiritual laws by which it operates. If you don't follow the laws, you're going to get messed up. You follow the laws, we can have a marvelous government. We can have a thriving economy. We can have unlimited health and power. And there's nothing that stops us, okay? Every single time you have one of these debates in the U.S. where people are at each other's throats, that in itself is destroying the foundation of well-being, okay? It's just dividing our country and dividing people against each other, and we pay for that. We pay for it in health, and we pay for it in economic defeat. And we lose power on a world scene because power comes from a right relationship with God and creation. Well, and they go hand in hand because if you look at our um, you know, medical situation here in this country, uh, is the more ill you get, the more it costs you, which means that now you have more economical problems. Yeah, exactly. In fact, a couple of years back, I don't know if it's true now. Do you know what the single biggest contributor to the gross national product was? I don't. Cancer. Cancer. Really? So I don't know if it's the case now, but a couple of years back it was, which means if you follow an economic model that the purpose is to build up the industries that are making the money, we might as well give each other cancer. You see, you can't trust an economic model. Right. Okay. You can't trust it. You can't rely on it because it's not the foundation of itself. There is a spiritual foundation that is at the at the basis of a healthy economy. It's called sharing. It's called service. It's called care. Okay. It's called working for the betterment of yourself and sharing it with other people. This is all spiritual. This is not about economic laws, and it isn't about government. Right. Well, tell me if you disagree, but it seems to me like we live in a hoarding society where, you know, you better grab what you can and hang on to as much of it as you need. Don't share it with other people and just make sure you have enough for yourself and your family. And to an extent, you know, as as somebody, you know, thinking about protecting your, your own family and that, I get it. But at the same point, if we all work together and didn't have that that sort of greed. And and we saw this at the beginning of COVID. I mean, people buying cases and cases of toilet paper and not letting other people have a single role. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. How how do we get there as a society, as a group, with that mentality being what we're dealing with? Well, be very, first of all, you have to be very careful by saying it's not okay to have more. It's okay for everyone to have as much as they want to have their fill, to satisfy themselves. You know, the rabbis in ancient Judaism used to say, a person is rich who is content. We're all entitled to seek our contentment. But the real problem is we approach the economic system like from fear. We approach, we hoard because we're afraid that we will not have. We're afraid we're going to not have and therefore we're going to die. We live from an animal point of view, a fear of death, an impending disaster, and then we sow and we reap actions that are designed to protect us against disasters, even when they're not there. Well, when you do that, you create the scarcity. Right. Sowing and reaping to protect yourself against real fear, 
is 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 good. It's good to have a, a little larder in your house, mm-hmm. so you you can make it through the cold winters if you get them out in <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, but not really. <laughs> when you're neurotic and you're working very hard to protect yourself against fear, that is just not real fear. Right? It's not truly life and death fear. Well, what you're doing is you're amplifying your own fear of shortage and how the spiritual universe works is that you will have the experience of lack and you will have businesses implode and losses to get you to wake up. So you'll grow past these fears. You cannot hide in this, in life. Life will always require you to grow. You're either going to grow easily or you're going to grow with pain and difficulty. You don't have a choice. That's one of the laws of life. You must expand. Right. Well, and it makes sense. I mean, as we grow and we learn more and we experience more, we should be expanding. And just naturally, that should be the progression. And isn't that the basis of the American economic system? Continual expansion and improvement. This is the foundation of John Dewey's philosophy in the 1950s. The never-ending relentlessness in America to always improve and always do better, okay? Because why did that work? Because it's aligned to the way life works. It's the nature of life to expand. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing that, we expand. But when you have things that are going on in Congress and you have politicians who are not seeking to expand, but are seeking to, to only broaden their own turf Right. It's a selfishness and our country is imploding and it happens on both sides of the aisle here. I'm by the way, I'm not red. I'm not blue. I'm not purple. Mm-hmm. OK, I you know, I I vote for the greatest truth with the least harm in any election. I like that. and I will vote for any member of the any member from any party. I vote for the greatest truth with the least harm. Well, I I have said, you know, uh, many times, and there's not a lot of people I'll talk politics with, but I I have said many times that I think that the biggest problem in in that arena is that, you know, they vote for their party and not for what's the best for the people. That's exactly. You know, again, I, 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 I believe in the basic prophetic idea of idolatry. Right. You know, there is no party that sums up truth. There is no person. No mere person who who can say that they own the truth, that they're that perfect. I don't trust anyone, Scott. I don't trust parties. I don't trust religions. I don't trust myself. I don't trust you. It's not because we're not trustworthy. It's because we're not perfect. Right. And people have to wake up in our country and stop this opinionocracy because no one is the source of knowledge. But I am saying that right here in life is the source of knowledge. And it's here and it's guiding us. When things go bad, we've, we've messed up on life-centered boundaries, relationships and values. When things go good, it's because we're in alignment for life-centered values. And that's how our world works. You're either going to work with it or you're going to work against it. Either way, you're going to learn it. Sure. Uh, it seems to me, though, that because we're so deeply embedded in our thought patterns, the, the way that they are, 
Is there something that people need to do before they start reading The Six Fix to kind of align themselves to be open to what you say in the book? Or is it something they can just, no matter how dismal they see life, they can pick it up and just go for it? They can pick it up and just go for it. But the foundation is the belief in adventure, the belief in improvement, the belief in in, in new possibilities. Mm-hmm. All right. It's called faith. You if you don't actually believe that you can improve, you will stay where you are. Why? Because you'll sow and reap staying where you are and you will stay where you are and you'll think, oh, I'm just being beaten up by the world when in fact you believe that you have to stay where you are. And so you stay where you are. You're just getting what you're putting out. You're getting back. Well, if you tell yourself things like the world is always going to beat me down or I don't deserve or no one ever loved me or things like that, it's it's going to stay in your head and that's going to become your reality because you're not open to other possibilities. You have to say, these are the experiences I've had, but that does not define me. There are other possibilities out there and I have to open up to them. Exactly. And it's that's the foundation. You know, that's the story of Abraham leaving or of Chaldees. You know, Jesus says, uh, as you believe it, so it is done unto you. In modern language, you say, if you believe it, you're going to experience it. You program yourself and you program your reality. Reality reflects your belief system. It's a little bit like the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, the movie, The Matrix. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah, we are, we're believing reality. We're conditioning our experience. We are bringing ourselves people, places, things, and conditions according to our beliefs. And we create a self-fulfilled prophecy. And then... If we actually play the victim card and say, oh, son, the world is against me, then you play another card, which is look at me. I'm playing the pity card and now I can get pity from everyone else because I'm suffering. And so let me suffer more. Mm -hmm. No matter what you do, if everyone out there becomes awake to the fact that you're creating your own world, then we can get out of the spiritual sickness that America has and work into spiritual health. We need spiritual health care. And I'm hoping the six fix is a minor contribution to getting us out of this spiritual sickness we're in. I do too. And I, you know, I tell myself whenever I feel like I'm getting off the path, you know, if I'm just having a day or or something has happened to me and don't understand why, I tell myself, if I can create my world the way I want it to be, why am I creating this? Why am I letting my mind focus on this frustration or this problem or this challenge in a way that's impacting me to where I feel a, a tightness in my chest or just maybe I'm shaking and it's not from too much coffee this time? I, <laughs> you know, I go back to that and I think, why am I like I try and take that responsibility and say, why am I creating slash allowing this if I can create my world? That's right. And and we have to begin to look at that on all levels of our world. We have to look at it in the way corporations are designed. Why on earth would you as a corporation endorse a product that made money but destroyed the ecology of the planet? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Okay, you make some money, but what about the health of future generations? You have to consider that. On the other hand, 
you know, you have some radical left contingents in the United States that really want to socialize things to an extreme and remove an individual initiative. Right. Yeah. Why would you want to stop the incredible advance of free enterprise that took, you know, a few thousand years before it became institutional? Mm -hmm. You know, we have to take responsibility for our thinking process and our actions in everything you think, say, and do. Seek good. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's the foundation of the six fix. That really brings that back to that taking responsibility to, you know, just reminding yourself that you have that power and that you can change things and that you should. I, I love that. I think that's a fantastic phrase. That that's it, and the rest is you know what I call value priorities uh, and relationship priorities. I did the relationship priorities. They were yourself, another, all others, future generations, all life and creation, and with continuous improvement. That's how you see good. But the the value priorities, which values are more important than others? The most important value once you have life is health. Right. Because if you don't have your health, any monies you save are going to be going to the hospitals. Now, health does not mean health care. It's not an issue of single provider or this or that. If everyone in the United States cared about health, the, the, the system would not be necessary in the same way. It would be a lot cheaper. The whole problem with health care is that we are not healthy. Right. Well, I, and I've often said, too, it's not to the advantage of the healthcare community to make people healthy. Why would you say, hey, uh, I only want to sell you one car in your entire life? No, I want you to come back and buy another car and another car. So for the healthcare industry, you know, it does it's not to their advantage to heal us. Exactly. And that's why, the, I, you know, the, the ancient Chinese system where you, you paid for healthcare only when you got sick because it meant your physician had failed. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so health is number one, mm -hmm. you know, value priority is number one health. And then this peace, which is second, if you don't have your health, you can't have peace. You must have freedom. That's value priority. Number three to experiment. And only when you face life with experimentation, can you gain wisdom, which is value priority. Number four, and that wisdom includes care, truth, and balance, okay? And then you must have the expression of your full potential. Mm. America will be spiritually sick unless each individual takes the initiative to seek their full abilities to express their potential, right? And lastly, prosperity in all forms, including that delicious human invention called money. It's a powerful spiritual tool, and we should have as much of it and a lot of it because if we share, we can change the world, build hospitals and educational systems, and culturally enliven the whole, whole society. Money is good, but health comes first. Okay, peace and freedom. It's the way people use money that's the problem. Exactly, often. which is why wisdom goes before prosperity on the six fixed values, value uh, priority list. Mm -hmm. So these are the basic guidelines, and I don't make them up. Right. These are, this. they are built into the design of life, mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah. The most important thing in anyone's life, Scott, you know what that is? Life itself. Exactly. And what's the single most important thing for the maintenance of life itself? I'm going to say spiritual balance. Yeah, that's what people would say. Uh, it's very simple. It's air. You mm. can't last more than four minutes without it. That's very true. And we don't really build the, – the problem in America and other nations in this world is we don't build our systems in a way that's in harmony with life. We build it in our minds. In life, air is the most important thing for, to maintain life. We take air for granted. We're not doing it anymore because we destroyed it. Mm -hmm. But air is the single most important thing. After that, it's water and food. So you see, we're not – we have to rebuild a way uh, our, our world and our civilizations based on what life teaches us, how life tells us to live harmoniously with the way this world was designed. Or for me personally, I'm not shoving religion down people's throats. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a creator and this is the way the world was designed, you know, to put life first, you know to live together, you know, to build an economy that's a household, not a machine right. generating coins, mm -hmm. but a household, which is what the word economy means. Okay, so this spirituality is political, it's personal, and it's the same spiritual laws for being married and raising a family as it is for running a Congress or, or, or directing a military. They're the same spiritual laws but we have to start living by them. Well, it sounds like the six fix is a great doorway into that world. I love the concept of it. I've got the link in the show notes for everyone. Go get it and check it out because, you know, first off, if you want your life to be better, you have to start somewhere. You got to start at the beginning. And you can't build the third floor of a building before you build, you know, the foundation of the building. Right. And the foundation of the building is not what we think in our mind. It's how life is designed. Exactly. Life centered. Well, Michael, I'm so glad you came back and visited us. I hope that we get oh, to talk again because you are just a fascinating guy. I love how passionate you are. And I love that you're putting things out there to make the world better. Thank you so much, Scott. I really, really in my old age, because I'm rapidly getting old. I really, really want to leave a better world behind. I think you're doing a great job. And I, I, I really want uh, to do it. I wouldn't focus too much on getting old because that that grandbaby is going to keep you uh, keep you in, <laughs> in your youthful thoughts, I think. Well, I've already noticed I've, I've just lost 10 years of life. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning I lost 10 years of age. I lost there 10 you years go. Of age from yeah. Well, we need we need people that are doing what you're doing out there. And I really appreciate that you have spent the time researching and putting this all together. Because really, I think all of us want the world to be better, but I think we tend to think, ah, oh, somebody else will do it. No, this is ancient. This is ancient, ancient knowledge that's here, and it's made contemporary, and you can use it in every aspect of life. Yes, absolutely. Whether, you know, in a political negotiation or a PTA meeting, it's the same laws of life. Yep, you're absolutely right. Well, thank you, Michael. Come back and see us again, please. Oh, I will. Thanks for being a friend, Scott. I love it. It is my pleasure. You take care, my friend, and have a great night. You too. God bless.
I love people that are passionate about their work and that believe in what they're saying strongly. And this man is no stranger to that. Uh, it's a really fascinating system he's created. I highly suggest that you guys go and check it out. You could hear how much he loves what he does in his voice. And certainly that love and passion comes out on every page. I have no doubt of that. So check that out. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Husky Cast podcast. I'll be back next week with an album review that you may or may not have been waiting for. You won't know until you check it out. Have a great week, guys. Do something great for yourselves and do something great for somebody else. It takes little effort to put a smile on someone's face. Cheers. Cheers.